Well, Dick, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Victory Bells podcast here from RedRaiderSports.com. I'm your host, Will McKay, joined by my main man, Matt Clare down in H-Town, the Dirty Third, riding hard. Letting I think it's ride. riding dirty. Well, what did I say? Riding hard. <laughs> well, no, I, I, did, I thought I said both. Oh, no, you didn't. Check the tape. Oh, damn it. Whatever. Um, well, what, what, what a great introduction that, that is to our, <laughs> to our show today. A good point for me to remind you guys that uh, our, uh, our show every week brought to you from right here in the Hypnotic Donuts studios. Thanks to our friends at Hypnotic Donuts. If you aren't checking out our boys, uh, yeah, they're in DFW. They're in Denton. You absolutely need to be going out there, whether it's for the donuts, which are also fantastic, whether it's for the chicken biscuits, or I tell you what, you know, now that we're getting into the summertime, you want your little sweet, cool treat on an afternoon? How about you hop on over to uh, Hypnotic Emporium, right across the street from, uh, or I guess right next to Hypnotic Donuts there in Dallas, uh, all sorts of stuff. You, you ever had one of these, like, cookie ice cream sandwiches, Matt, that's just like an amalgamation of, like diabetes and deliciousness oh yeah yeah uh no i have definitely i've I've had the ones whether it's a baseball game or uh maybe you just stop on a road trip and uh that's what the gas station has so you need to you just gotta go with it the gas station i I don't know if i've ever had the gas station version i I mean it's it's just like you would buy at the baseball game the same thing packaged the same way oh okay 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 Okay, I got you. All right, all yeah, right. It's not like some like uh, hidden recipe from a local uh, vendor. I mean, I, I figured not if we're 7-Eleven in this bad boy. So. I don't know, man. I didn't know 7-Elevens. There's one Bucky's on the way from Houston to Dallas. Everything else is highly questionable when it comes to that if, sort of stuff. If, if there's one food you had to eat from a gas station, what would it be? If you had to pick one, you're like, I'll be okay with that. And not, and we're not talking like candy bars or like prepackaged. It's like yeah. this is like served and it is intended for human consumption like on like a hot plate. So if I can see them cook it, like if you go in and maybe there's a taqueria or some sort yeah. of a, an establishment where there's a lady over a grill, I'll, I'll eat that. I mean, I'm not scared. But, yeah, anything that's rolling on a uh, thing or oh, it's in some sort of a heat <laughs> lamp, I'm a, it's going to be a hard pass for me. I mean, pro- probably the same. I, I would never do – you could not pay me to do like the gas station nachos or like the gas station the one thing i'll say well actually when you were poor in college you put that's probably what you ate because i'm i was gonna say i, I ate the it's I, plenty of times in college i had a 7-eleven nachos oh did you I, see i never did but when i was in college we definitely did the uh stripes corn dogs Oof. um which i mean that that that's the thought though is it like a corn dog is out of a frozen package and all they did was fry it and put another thing and give it to you so sure i mean that's kind I, of nuclear proof, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. Well, all in all, what we're trying to say is they <laughs> don't do that at Hypnotic Donuts or Hypnotic Emporium. So go check them out. Hypnotic Donuts <laughs> and Hypnotic Emporium, not a gas station. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Specifically for your donut and uh, dessert and breakfast uh, oh, food needs. I'm sure our boy James is going to lower our ad this week. But Yeah. Uh, we're fired. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, go back and edit that part, okay? <laughs> okay. 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 Um,. Let's take a hard screeching left here and I guess get into actual sports conversation on the day where uh, got a lot going on this week, Matt. I uh, had some had a bunch going on over last weekend too. And I think uh, with football, the biggest thing that's been going on here the last, uh, the last, last, I guess, four or five days here was the NFL draft was last weekend. And you have two guys get picked. Then you have a handful of free agents here. So Matt, I guess first and foremost, we'll, we'll talk about Kiki Kuti since that's you know the, the preeminent pick you had there in the uh, beginning of the fourth round. But uh, thoughts on Kiki Kuti going to the Houston Texans and 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 just kind of how cool that is for him to stay in state. I mean, yeah, cool for him to to go to state. Uh, I live here, so it'll be cool to kind of follow his football career up close. And I think when you hear the the analysts break it down, you know they have a really talented guy, you know, top five, top ten in the league. Uh, with Hopkins on the outside, I uh, know that they over the past couple of years they've added Will Fuller. Um, so when they say you know they're adding a real slot, you know that is that is what Kiki does. And I think that you know maybe from day one, you know he won't be uh, just a huge impact, but I think he can develop because you know he he came out early. This is still a young man, uh, but I think that you know he's in a good spot. Watson's a young quarterback. If he can stay healthy, you know, I think those guys could work well together. No, I'll, I'll tell you the same thing. I think he's in a really good spot because they don't really have a true blue established slot player. I mean, they've got a couple guys on that roster, but there's nobody that has that really super locked down. So to me, uh, he's going to have a great opportunity, and I think one of the coolest things is, and I'm sure it had a lot to do with him getting drafted down there, is, I mean, you know, Wes Welker is going to be – Right in the same building where yeah, they've been teaching cool. him. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. And and they had actually worked out together. Or, well, I say, you know, he Walker was in out, town yeah. and worked him out. Um, I'd never really made that connection, and I don't know why, so maybe dumb of me, but it just reminded me of those pictures from Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, how cool, you know? Um, and, and he's one of the best to ever do it in the slot. So what a what a great situation for him developmentally as well. There's no doubt about it. I, I, I think for, for Kiki, the thing – that's going to really determine a lot of his success is, is it's obviously going to be, you know, how open can you get? And I think the, the big question with him, I think for a lot of people is, is that he's not a very big guy and, and not where he's just kind of short. He's just not very stocky. He's just not, he's just a slender guy and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but he's not the strongest guy on planet earth. So I, I think with him, it's going to be about trying to live in space and, and try to maximize that with route running and, and becoming a really efficient route runner. And, and, and you take a guy like Kiki right there, because I think of his ability in the open field of once you get the ball to him, he's going to make plays for you. It's just a matter of, for him, I think making sure he is open in open field. Yeah. And I think that's where the development's going to have to come and the experience will come. But I mean, again, a good situation to be in, right? Why? Yes impressed Hopkins Fuller um, and everything else that they have on that team right now is you know it's nothing to shake a stick at so he couldn't he could have gone to a worse situation and uh, I I 
I think he's successful. Like I said earlier, maybe not right away, but definitely will get on the field in some capacity because we forget, you know, at Tech it was sort of a luxury to not necessarily have him uh, do punt returns and kick returns all the time. Uh, But, you know, to be on the NFL to officially make that roster and make your impact, I think he's going to be seen in the kick game first, if anything else. I would guess that's probably the case. So let's move on to our next guy here, Dylan Cantrell, who gets taken there in the sixth round by the Chargers. Uh, interesting landing spot there for him, I thought. Again, uh, you got a Red Raider connection because Anthony Lynn, the head coach, and I'm sure that he had some kind of conversation with Cliff and, and they knew about Dylan. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, or maybe he just, you know, kept one eye on Texas Tech and, and yeah, saw that true. development. You know, but Dylan's a guy who's just kind of always consistently worked hard and kept his head down. He's not, you know, we saw some of his personality flash a little bit on some of these videos that Tech put out over the past couple of years. But but for the most part on the football, I mean, he's just a possession receiver to the to the T. And I think that, you know, he's really learned to use his body. Uh, but also uh, I think what you noticed is that he's, you know, built in a lot of burst and strength. And I think that's where he'll thrive in the NFL is just to find that spot, that Mr. Reliable spot to where he can come in and be a situational early, maybe earnest shortly thereafter. But, you know, we talked about it even before the draft. I think just, you know, his progression and the the way he's been able to take care of his body and grow and and develop his game. I think, you know, coming in, being able to block, uh, having good hands, uh, just like Kiki, he'll he'll earn a valuable spot on special teams, and he'll continue to develop in the wide receiver room. The the thing that I think for Dylan that does him the most good as of today, and his chances of making a roster and eventually trying to carve out a role, is that he blocks his tail off. Uh, he's a yes sir no sir you know kid, uh, and he worked you know he worked his his butt off when he was in Lubbock, and and he they'll they'll never have a problem with him. He'll do whatever they ask of him. Uh, he'll be one of the hardest working guys they have on the team. And like I said, if, if you're all those things and you're physical and you'll block, you're, you're going to find a spot on a roster, uh, even if you're just a special teams guy for the most part. But, uh, but to me, that, that, that's what I really like about Dylan is, is he doesn't have necessarily the speed, but he has the athleticism in every single other area of his game. Uh, where you know he's just a physical freak for for a kid his size. Out like I said, outside of the forty time, everything else is is next level elite when it comes to athleticism. Right. So we'll see. We'll kind of see what he does, but would not surprise me at all if, if he's a guy that just sticks around and floats around in the league for you know six eight years just based on on that. Because I mean, teams are looking for guys like him all the time. So uh, we'll find out what he does out there in uh los angeles and and obviously best of luck to him and those two guys getting drafted but uh let's kind of break down these these undrafted guys you had here as free agents some interesting things going on here nick shimanek goes to the chargers as an undrafted agent cam batson goes to the titans uh mike thomas who i love seeing him get picked up goes to the jets Derek willie's an interesting take there by the browns and then Justin Stockton goes to the Seattle Seahawks. So, uh, of those guys, I guess what really sticks out to you, to you there, uh, there, Matt, and just you know, for right now, those guys are going to be training camp guys that are just trying to somehow make it onto the roster. I would say the only thing that that um, sticks out to me is, of course, I'm no expert. I think that Shimanek had a lot of highs and a lot of lows this season, but from a, you know, height, weight, build, you know, what have you done? What have you learned? Everybody talked, you know, on his draft profile about how he's, 
you know, knows two offenses frontwards and backwards and has had two sets of coaches, which, you know, shows he can take coaching and yada, yada, yada and progress and this, that, and the other. I mean, you're looking at a kid that really only had, you know, some limited experience at the college level just due to his various situations. Now, I just, towards this fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round of the draft, you're starting to see these guys go from schools that, frankly, you know, you've either never heard of or that you wouldn't have expected. And, you know, you go through and you kind of either you do a quick search or you just see what you see there during the draft and you wonder, okay, well, you know, was it the interview process? Was it, uh, you know, how do you, you know, how do you do what you do? Um, and, And maybe these other guys just showed more promise. I don't know, but I just thought there's a very thin line between that. Um, It would have been, would have been interesting to say that you've had another quarterback drafted, but you know, if he goes out there and he makes a roster, I think like we said, you know, before when we were talking before the show, you know, great, you get drafted. Then what do you do? I mean, there's no trophy for getting drafted. It's a, it's a memory and it's it's experience. It's something that'll go, you know, in the story of your life. But then, you know, if you flop, then, very few people kind of talk about that, right? They do. They do. And for me, for, for Shimanek, I think if he wants to really make a go at this, he's in a good situation with a guy like Phillip Rivers, where, where even if he only goes through you know training camp, if I am Nick Shimanek, I sponge every single thing that Phillip Rivers will teach me, and I listen to him every single day as a guy who is a you know, you know know 10-plus-year starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, and I think that's how he makes it in this league. Is I think he, you, you've just got to write every note that you possibly can from a guy who started that long in the league, and then go from there. So uh, obviously, wish nothing but the best for him, and, and hope he uh, finds a landing spot and can get it figured out at the next level. But uh, but yeah, interesting spot there for him to land. I, I I think the 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 one that I always will wonder about here, and and we'll see what happens is is with Willie's, and I think it's it's pretty simple and, and pretty obvious that. With his athletic gifts, it's it's a no-brainer to take a flyer on him as an undrafted free agent and just see what you get. And I, I, I just wonder if maybe he finally gets in the right situation with a coaching staff where maybe, you know, he just he feels at home, he can put his head down, maybe he finally finds some good chemistry and then he gets it going. Because I think at Tech, obviously, things just didn't ever, you know, turn out for him But by the point, you know, by – by by the end of his senior year, he didn't even want to participate in senior day. If that tells you, you know how things were going. So, it's well, just, it'd be it's a, a deal. be a real shame if a reporter had driven all the way across the state to come and interview you, and you uh, you just bail on him after saying you'd be right back. Uh, be a real shame. So, no, that I mean, I, that look, happened I, to you, did it? I, no, no, it's some guy I knew. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he was hurt. He was uh, he was injured, and in, you in, know, but like you said, it again. I'll just chime in. He had the frame, so you you wish him best of luck. I mean, it would uh, be good for uh, be good for the brand, right? So absolutely, uh, always yeah. good for the brand. Let's see, let's see what he can do. No, yeah, let's see what he can do. Um, Mike Thomas, I I wonder how far he can get into training camp. I think with as good of an athlete as he is, in my opinion, and as good of a, a jump he has off the ball, wouldn't surprise me if he made that roster eventually. Uh, but maybe the most intriguing one to me is Justin Stockton with the Seahawks, especially for a, a group that, yeah, they just drafted Rashad Penny in the first round, but outside of that, they don't really have like an established running back group that you just feel great about. So I would wonder, too, maybe Seattle like takes him as a running back and tries to turn him into a receiver. or do You know what I'm saying? Just like do something else with him, too. 
Uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's, like I said, with the first two guys, I mean, they're all going to have to contribute on special teams more so than they had in the past um, or in general. And, and uh, I think that's another reason that Stockton will, will kind of vie for a roster spot. But from a position standpoint, I mean, I guess the only thing I can kind of think of is when we think of guys like a Tavon Austin or somebody who, you know, maybe he's labeled a wide receiver but does a number of things within the offense. Uh, carrying the ball yeah so i mean i think i think stockton could develop into something like that i mean i i wish him the best of luck because there's a lot of i think what people don't understand about these undrafted guys is um they sign a contract or they sign a deal that basically invites them to training camp and they get like 30 to 40 grand well you know i don't even think all that's guaranteed and then you have to take out kind of what they did with agent or training fees and all that so i mean these guys still have a long road to go but I think, you know, for Stockton, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's where I was getting at. Label a running back, but might be a little bit more at the next level. Um, but he's got the speed and, and you know, he's a motivated guy. So I, I don't know. His tech career didn't pan out, you know, exactly probably but like he what? had hoped. He, he had a better senior year than anybody thought he was going to, including me. Exactly. So he came back strong and, and we know he's a fighter. So, I mean, that's kind of where I was going. I mean, I don't, I'm not out the kid. Um, I think he could make a roster, and I think he could make a, a go of it here for a few years. I, I do, too. I, I do, too. Um, I guess outside of tech stuff, you know, what else stuck out to you about the draft, Matt? Anything that you wanted to harp on? Anything you're like, that was really interesting or anything like that? Um, I mean, so on the draft, I had written down a few names here, The and I think I would even shared this uh, during the draft, but you know, you just we talk about recruiting so much and, um, you know, I consider myself a, a nerd for it. And I know you do, too. Right. Um, and in the stamp from the standpoint of, you know, let's look at it. Let's analyze it. Let's let's what data points can we look at here? You know, how many offers are out? How many how many kids are committed elsewhere? You know, how many are they taking at this position? There's so many different things. But one of my favorite things after and during the NFL draft is to see where these kids were ranked out of high school see you know what programs they're coming from and i think the thing that just screamed to my attention during the first and second rounds was that utsa utep and smu all had players taken in the first and second round before sam, sam houston state too sam houston state yeah i, I think uh a&m and, and oh, Con- yeah, Con- connor williams yeah. went ahead of him but but Christian still second Kirk, round yeah. But still, yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, on average, you're right. Those teams went first, and I think Sammy State ended up with two or three guys drafted. So, I mean, on the whole, it just catches your attention. My initial reaction for just a guy that talks to a bunch of recruits is, you know, you can, you know, the NFL is going to find you regardless of the the logo on your chest is, is the way I think I had put it. And I think you had a similar comment that, yeah. you know, the NFL is just going to find talent. And I'm a firm believer in that. Um, I think that – we more see more and more the 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 four star and the five star and and like I said before, you have to find a healthy balance of what fits your program and and really what you're looking for and and almost you know almost be honest with yourself about where you are in that pecking order, right? Yeah. Um, and if you want to boil it down even further, uh, I heard some interesting opinions earlier this week. You know when they went through the numbers, I think uh, some of our national analysts did that, but even people just in the media. Uh, all around outside of rivals were doing it. Most of the players are coming from Florida 
and that southeast area, obviously. Then it was California, and then third or fourth was Texas. So um, you really start to think about that from just a wider view, and you know you could get into a much deeper conversation about the style of play or the the positions that maybe we put value on versus you know maybe the fits. I, I don't know, right? Um, no, I agree. So anyway, that caught my eye. But yeah, UTSA, UTEP, SMU, Sam Houston State, you know programs like that. SFA even had a guy get drafted. So um, very interesting year for the state of Texas, just to say the least, right? I mean, you had right. you had some kids, I think I mentioned to you, Tony Brown's a five-star guy out of Texas that was talked about a lot but way back when on Red Raider Sports because of his parents' connections to the program. And, and he goes undrafted out of Alabama. So, I mean, it's, there's, there's no right answer when you're looking at this stuff, but, but if you're asking for things that caught my eye, that, that stuff caught my eye big time. Well, to add to that, he goes undrafted. He was a five-star. Another five-star out of high school, Bo Scarborough, who the Cowboys take as a flyer in the seventh round at running back. But meanwhile, we have Marcus Davenport from UTSA, who was like 180 pounds out of high school, go in the top 15. And at one point in the draft process, people thought he might go top five. So I, I guess the question for me, Matt, is you know where is the disconnect for why I think more than ever now, more than ever before, I think the the recruiting rankings end up being not completely wrong, but there's more anomalies than there have ever been. Wouldn't you agree? Well, I do, and, and I also think – that's why I said there's no one right answer. You look at the, the state's largest programs or the most successful programs of, of late in the state of Texas, and you talk about Mac Brown leaving Texas – his predecessor, or his, uh, it's not predecessor, successor, successor sorry, uh, is, you know, lauded for certain, you know, recruiting efforts and, and even guys that were drafted this year, right? You know, f- another five star, I think high four star, Malik Jefferson. Uh, but was, that was Charlie. He was a five star, I think, yeah. Okay. And that was Charlie Strong and his staff, and, and they came and went, and now they have a new guy in place. AM, same thing. You had a lot of guys that were drafted from uh, someone's staff this year. But they are no longer there. Um, so you, there's going to be some shift here. And then even someone had replaced uh, someone else. So uh, all that to say, uh, I think between that and everything that went down with Baylor, you know, you just saw a little bit of a dip. I mean, whether it be misses on the recruiting trail. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it just really makes you look at the, the, the norms you find in that data. And then I think a lot of our fans on Red Raider Sports are starting to take that and really question, you know, what have these coaches retained at Tech and, and what is the talent level on the roster right now? You know, and, and oh, yeah. how, how young, you know, how, how close or how young is this team? And, you know, I think that's something that we should take a little bit of a closer eye at yeah. or look at. Uh, but yeah, I mean, on the whole, you know, you just didn't have a lot of, uh, a lot of firepower just out of the state of Texas in terms of the programs. No, you didn't. But, uh, the, but again, that's the interesting thing is like, how, how do progr- how do power five schools miss on Cortland Sutton at SMU and Mark and Davis, Mark Davenport at UTSA. And to me, the, the closest comparison I can kind of come to it is it has to be a thing where these guys are either late bloomers or they just never quite peaked in high school. You know what I'm saying? Where their best sure. footballs in front of them and you just didn't see them or you didn't foresee a, a growth spurt, uh, which I think happened with both those guys. So uh, some of it is unpredictability. But I think, too, on the opposite end of the spectrum, why is it these five-star guys aren't, while, while they are good players at the college level, 
Bo Scarborough was a good player. I mean, Tony Brown was a good player, but neither one of them was an elite player for that Alabama team, I wouldn't sure. say. That's fair. Um, so why is it that those guys seem to level out? Is it because they've already peaked in high school? I mean, is is, is there any way you can predict it or, or change it moving forward, I guess is my thought. Uh, no, I mean, I, mean, I don't. Obviously. Yeah. So that's why I said we could go down a rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the easiest way to look at it is traditionally the big 12 and or Texas had, you know, a, a larger conference and, and people maybe talked about how the state was recruited. Uh, but I think over the past six to eight years, the state of Texas has been recruited more than ever um you know there's we more hands in the cookie jar than there ever have been yeah. yeah i mean of course for we mentioned tony brown but you know obviously baker mayfield was a walk-on twice he went number one you've got um other you know connor williams is from texas Kiki who was just Cootie. i think a high three-star right. player he wasn't like a four-star or big-time player connor williams wasn't i think williams was a four-star he was eventually okay because i think yeah, he started as a three-star he, he just he blew up man um yeah. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, even if they like and let's put this into context, if you're a four star, but you're just outside of the 250, they're not saying that you're a NFL future NFL wide receiver. They're not saying that you are not, but they're not projecting you as that. that. You know, it's the five star and really high four stars that are projected to be drafted in the first few rounds of the NFL draft. So that's what you really need to look at there, not just because they're a four star. No, I mean, I, I, I would agree with that 100 percent. So. It's just it's just an interesting conversation to have to see why these guys slip through the cracks and they end up wherever they do. But uh, so the other thing we wanted to do here this afternoon, uh, another jarring transition out here, you know, just just making wide wide turns in traffic, but uh, on on the traffic of the interwebs. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we wanted to uh, you know ask you guys some questions. You know, th- things are a little slower right now now that uh, we're just in baseball season and. Uh, sure, got a couple things to wrap up in basketball recruiting and waiting to see what happens with Trey Watson this weekend. But other than that, uh, obviously the baseball series in UT, but we wanted to ask you guys some questions, or not ask you guys, but have you guys ask us your questions, some things you wanted us to talk about maybe we hadn't thought about. So uh, we started a thread over on the site on Red Air Sports inside the Double T, and we wanted to get into a couple of these questions. So, uh, Matt, I will let you take it away on the first question you would like us to discuss. Yes. So from Chris Zen 09, I think that's right. As much as Taylor Materko has blown up here lately, do you think we are still realistic candidates to land him? Texas Tech. Uh, Will, you want to go first here? Um, I mean, that's the thing. He has kind of blown up here lately. And that's what you really see this time in the spring is when the open period comes up again. And, Matt, you followed this long enough, too, to know there's kind of swells for a lot of this in recruiting uh, where I think that you obviously see all the early offers for the clear top-cut prospects in in the in classes where those guys blow up early. And then I think in early March or, you know, late February, you'll see some of the 29th – you'll see some of the juniors that really had a good fall uh, really start to blow up then. And then I think here in early May, late – late April, you kind of see the third wave of this where the guys that coaches went and saw in the spring, they were curious about after they saw in the fall and they get some confirmation whenever they go out and watch them practice in the spring. And uh, that's when you kind of see the third wave of guys blow up. And he clearly is in that group, but I I, I don't know. I think that with how you've been recruiting, um, 
you know, well, I think along the offensive line with Coach Jones, I mean, I'm not going to really put him out of it, but I, I think that, yeah, I'd probably say you're still in it, but but I don't know, Matt. What do you kind of think? Well, here's what I think. I think that <laughs> he's from Carlsbad, New Mexico. We've seen this story before, not rated yet. Now he's had almost 20 offers. Um, yeah. Either these kids end up taking tech seriously or they quickly commit to like a Pac-12 school. I can't yeah. think of names. Uh, but, you know, it feels like there's always the one kid from New Mexico. Um, I think that, you know, he he visited. His parents are just doing everything they can to visit these programs. And it seems like everywhere he visits offers. So uh, from what I can see from his tape and from some of the pictures that he's posted, he looks like your typical just long and athletic guy. I mean, six six two seventy, but it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't look like 270. Right. So this is. No. You know, he's going to probably finish out at six 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 seven and and nearly three hundred pounds when all is said and done. So that's why coaches are offering on upside and offering off tape, and and I can see you know why there's the offer. Um, I, I know that you know they offered what not even a month ago, so it's, it's really hard to bad, say. Yeah. yeah, it's really hard to say that you know they were in on him because he already had some other offers, but he quickly added Oklahoma State. Arizona State, Oregon, Baylor, TCU, Virginia, and now Washington. So the open contact period is still here. I don't expect this to stop. Um, he's someone that we can reach back out to mm-hmm. and uh, you know touch base with again. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think anything's unrealistic. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're up against uh, almost 20 other schools. So I would say out for It'll be tough, but, but maybe the good thing is that a lot of times uh, – I, I say with a lot of these kids, it depends on how the kid's wired, but if you get in early and you really, really show how much you are interested and I get you think you get an early visit, you're probably going to stay in the conversation. So I'd say you're probably in the conversation. Well, I think we'll just have to see what happens here over the next month and, and kind of June and to see what happens to him. But like I said, we'll reach out back to him and uh, see, what, uh, see what he thinks. But uh, I guess next question for me here, Matt, and this is one we can talk about when we get asked this all the time and it's even the question but from uh, t stockton asked general update feeling on uh jacob zeno and he even you know says i know we talk about non-stop but obviously a pivotal recruit in cliff's tenure and and for things moving forward so matt i, I know you keep in touch with with jacob and 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 some people that know him so just kind of your thoughts on where things are at with him right now uh, i mean you know, I say it again, uh, just like I said it last week. I mean, nothing's really changed from his plan to take his official visits and uh, make his decision here over the summer. So I think this weekend he's got NC State, uh, had some arrangements to to have a contractor, you know, write a story for us in Dallas at the opening regional, and that kind of fell through. Uh, so we didn't get to talk to him there. So I had reached out uh, again and got some information. You know, I think that. Uh, what you see, you know, whether it's in the Rivals Network or just media in general, you know, you get a lot of feedback and blowback from the the Baylor visit. Uh, again, you know, uh, the the spring game, I think it was a few weeks back. Um, again, you're you're recruiting against Baylor. You're recruiting against Georgia. You know, who's compared to Tech and Baylor? I mean, it's out of the. It's a completely different conversation, yes, obviously. Um, and then he's taking an official visit to NC State this weekend. So uh, from what I understand that, you know, the open contact periods here, there's a lot of coaches stopping by. Um, NC State's showing a ton of love. Georgia has basically told him that that he's their number one quarterback in America. Um, And when that's coming from Georgia, the way that they're rolling right now, 
the you team know, that played a, for a national title and almost won one. Yeah, A young man's going to listen to that. So um, I know he's hearing the same from Coach Kingsbury, Coach Johns, um, and now you know they're going to have from now until – uh, later in the summer to, you know, vied for his, his, uh, you know, choice, uh, selection, right. Services. Yeah. But yeah, you know, no decision's been made at this time. He's still, uh, looking to do that over the summer. He'll be in NC state this weekend. And then I think they're setting up Georgia, uh, shortly thereafter. So, uh, there's a, a lot to go a long ways to go here in this recruitment. Yeah. I, I think anybody that wants says, what's the latest, what's the latest, what does, what's the latest, there's not going to be a major shift here until June when he makes a decision. So I, I think that, yeah, keep, keep tabs on it, we, we, just like we will, to see where he's at every week. But I, I just don't think there's going to be some super big shift here. Now, maybe he shifts away from saying Tech's the – I mean, not, and he hasn't ever really said that Tech's the favorite. But um, maybe he shifts more around where he says, you know what, I'm liking Georgia this week, or, oh, I'm liking NC State this week, and maybe things shift around more. But, I mean, at, at the end of the day, Matt – as far as the position you're in, as, as far as tech goes, you've done about everything you can do up to this point to make sure he knows that you're the guy he wants and, and, and all that. Well, yeah. And, and like I pointed out last week, I mean, it, it was reciprocated, right? Yeah. Um, you know, he's visited tech more than he has some of these other schools. And I think they just need to, you know, if that's, if, you know, I guess what I said, I'll just re- what I said last week, if this is their strategy, that he's their top guy and they're going to go after him, they have to see it through. And that just means staying patient throughout, you know, his process. And then, you know, like I said, middle of June, see what happens. If so, you get a quarterback commit. If not, then you've got maybe plan B and C. Yep. And and that's about uh, about all you can do there. So we will continue to monitor it. I think uh, T. Stockton was the one that had asked about Zeno. I think, I mean, we'll get into some other uh, questions that he had here. Uh, any sort of idea how Kevin Johns' presence has impacted recruiting, O-line, size, type of running back, potential tight ends? Um, I'll just tell you, I haven't heard a ton yet. I think more of where I've heard the initial impact has been in, I think, just kind of the day-to-day op- operations of the offense, uh, how he and Cliff, I both have very – um, not clashing, but they both have different ideas on how to run an offense. And I think that's what they both like about each other is they, they both have a lot of different ideas. And I think they're both trying to take what they've both done differently offensively and try to mesh it into one kind of Frankenstein of an offense here moving forward. Because you didn't see a ton of change in the spring schematically from what you're doing. But I think here in the fall, and maybe not even in September, but I think by October – Late October, this offense, I'm not saying it's going to look radically different. You're still going to run up tempo, and you're still going to, to, I think, probably throw it as much as you pass it. Or, good Lord, I mean, throw it as much as you run it. So, we'll see what happens there. As far as the recruiting goes, I mean, don't really know yet what to think. But, I mean, everywhere else that Kevin Johns has been, he's been responsible for a lot of the the guys that end up developing in the program, whether that was at Northwestern or that was at – at Indiana he did a really good job recruiting both those places so I think for him too what people need to realize he's kind of an outsider here in the state of Texas and I think he's got to you know put a name you know put a face to a name with a lot of high school coaches he's you know I think still developing relationships with a lot of people so it may take some time here before he really digs in hard and you know really starts doing well in recruiting wouldn't you agree that's just kind of how it works with relationships and doing that kind of stuff in general Matt 
Yeah, I mean, this is his first time to get on the road in here Texas, in Texas. Yeah. But well, he's recruited Texas before, but with the double T on his yeah. on his uh, hat and all that good stuff. Um, so I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is kind of you know to be determined. But in terms of tight ends, yes, I mean we've already seen that with some walk-ons and some some targets that have been there. Uh, not, maybe not offers just yet, but some kids they've shown interest in. And I think they'll develop that. I don't know how much we'll see on the field, but I think even last year before Coach Johns, you saw some element of that, you know, being used. So, More so yeah, yeah. So that that'll be interesting to watch. But outside of that, no, I mean nothing. O line, you have the same O line coach. Uh, size you know that kind of differs year to year based on who your top uh fits are if you if you will type of running back brand new coach so i wouldn't say me personally i haven't seen anything you know that that shows a type more so just trying to recruit the the most talented kids and as far as running back goes the guys that he was recruiting to indiana and northwestern are the kind of guys you've always had in your program anyway so there's not much difference there so uh, no big change there, and I would guess that as far as offensive line goes, they're going to let Brandon Jones pick the guys he wants. I think because they they let they trust him and and all those kind of things. But uh, we shall see where things go with him as far as recruiting goes, and and really his impact. I, th- I think the ripples of his impact you won't really feel until October, if if that makes sense. Now I may be wrong, and you know the first couple weeks in September we're like, oh holy crap, I haven't seen any of this stuff before. Sure, but uh, but for right now. Because it was the spring and they're just doing a bunch of base package installs, they haven't changed a bunch yet. I'm sure him and he and Coach Kingsbury will probably put more wrinkles in this summer and change a lot more stuff this summer when they've got, you know, hours and hours where they can just sit down in a film room or at a whiteboard and, you know, bounce things off each other. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what uh, what happens there uh, here moving forward. Um, I guess another question here from Chris Zen09, one more, was – uh, he said, you know, what's kind of the deal with, you know, what he said specifically is, is, is it off the field issues that are stopping us from going after Titus Swin and Quaylen Jones, or are we pretty positive we can land some guys we have offers already out on? Uh, for people that don't know, Titus Swin, uh, a four-star, I guess you'd say receiver or athlete type, Matt, I guess is what you'd kind of say with him. Correct. And uh, I believe SMU and Kansas are his only offers so far. And he also moved from Virginia here uh, pretty recently. Also correct? I don't know, man. I mean, I might have said that in pre-show, but I might be uh, confusing him with someone else. That's what I thought. We show him as as being uh, at Eaton High School, um, but I'll have to double check that. I'll yeah, do that. I'll do that while we're talking about it. But, you know, the question is, you know, what's the, was, yeah. what's the deal with him and why haven't more schools offered? We'll see. Right. I mean, the kid shows up on the field, looks great. Uh, great build. Uh, we have him listed as a four star and yet he only has those two offers. Well, we'll see. I mean, we're in the middle of an open contact period. Uh, maybe some people are looking at him on offense, looking at him on defense. They haven't made their decision. I know that he went to the tech game, uh, the spring game there in Frisco. Uh, we need to just put him on the on the list to follow up with and just get some more feedback there. You know, usually in these situations, you're just like I said, the coaches aren't sure that he's an offer yet, or they're looking at you know waiting on a test score or something like that. So uh, again, those are just two uh, when you look at any given situation. So I don't I don't know. I'll leave it at that. Nope, I think that is. Uh, I think that's. Uh... I think that's very fair. So, um, next question I wanted to move on to, Matt, and you can you can weigh in this this one or not. 
Uh, one that I always think is interesting, and, and for me, I always like to, to talk about this. And what 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 would you do, kind of situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, TB two asks, you've been voted for the you've been voted the Texas Tech football czar. You have complete control of all personnel, facilities, and finances. What are your first few moves in order to improve the football program as well as keep the baseball basketball teams headed in the right direction? For me personally, when I look at successful football programs. Uh, I look, I look at a couple of things and I think you have for, for Texas tech, you don't have one of the things that a lot of consistently great football programs have, which is you don't have the recruiting base that's local, uh, quite like say, you know, several of these sec schools do. You don't have it like A&M does. You, you, you just don't. So how do, so how do you make up for that? Well, I think you have to make up for that in the quality of your staff. You have to make up for that in the quality of, uh, I, I think your facilities of what you're giving your staff to maximize the potential of the guys you have within the program. So to me, if I have p- complete control of control over what you're doing with the football program, uh, and let's say I just came in right before this season starts, obviously I'm going to let Cliff play out this season and when we're, we're going to see kind of where things go here. Um, and then depending on that, you know, that's whenever you make a decision whether to keep him around or not. But the thing I would do, no matter whether it's Cliff or another guy as the head coach, the very first thing I do is I just bucket just shovels of money into my staff pool, and I say, hey, whether it's Cliff or another head coach, please go get the best assistance you possibly can, and you can show them the gravy train. So that's that's the first thing I do. Uh, the second thing I do is I really want to invest in my strength and conditioning staff and want to keep investing into my nutrition program. Um, and, and Rusty Wood, I think, is doing a great job. I just think that giving him the best tools that he can have, I think giving your uh, – basically just, just your support staff the best tools they can, like I said, to maximize your talent. I think at Tech, more than a lot of other places, that's even more important to do. So that's, that, that's what I do as far as finances. I, I shift everything in that direction towards development and towards getting the best assistance to recruit. Personally, that's how I would go about it. Um, and I think that with baseball and basketball, the thing about both those programs is is you've already got a good thing going in both those sports. Your staff is good in baseball. You recruit the lights out. Um, and, and, in, and in basketball, same thing. You're recruiting the lights out, and they, they have an army of people. And that might be the last thing I do with football, too, is the, the teams that are winning consistently right now in football, whether you look at Alabama or Clemson or Georgia – or you start looking at all these other schools now, like even TCU's doing this, uh, Oklahoma's doing this. They just have an army of off-the-field staff at this point as far as guys that you consider like quality control assistant on offense or associate quality analyst B, C, D, E, F. You know what I'm saying, Matt? Like all those kind of guys where it's all former assistants or former offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. It is just more sets of ears and eyes for you to further break things down to where everything becomes more and more detail-oriented to where your assistants have to worry less about prep and X's and O's, and they can worry more about coaching their guys and recruiting, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, I mean, that, that, that's why Alabama's been so successful, that's why Clemson's been so successful, and that's why Georgia keeps getting so – so that's, that's, that's what I would do personally. Yeah, I mean – I don't know if I would do a whole ton different. I mean, I think that you always have to keep improving. 
Um, they've improved facilities. Uh, I think that you know they're they're they've got some forthcoming updates to the stadium when the money's there. Uh, but really around the stadium, the from not just the stadium and the facilities, but you know even from when I just you know we all have our own personal experiences and everyone listening to this does. Uh, but you know across the street from the stadium, you know even right down the street, the campus. I mean all these things are so much different uh, from when we were there. I would just say to keep pushing forward on that. I think we've already for what they're doing with basketball. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean with football. I would just say, you know, if, if, if I were in charge, I would give more money to, you know, I would make, I would make recruiting like almost like a business, you know, and, and maybe that's obvious cause I'm a recruiting nerd, but I would like, I would build an army of, uh, assistants and, uh, interns and I would just mm, give them everything, yep. you know, everything that they need to just, you know, compete at the highest level. Cause you know, you have to look at it. I mean, if you've got, uh, maybe certain head coaches like to recruit more than others do, or maybe some recruiting coordination staffs do, uh, I guess, more grunt work than others do. I mean, they all do a ton of work. Uh, but, you know, now everything's changed so much. Even if you look at our conversations the past three or four years, coaches were able to just, you know, take a, a bus around the state and host four different camps and meet with these kids face to face, even outside of the open contact period. Well, they can't do that now. No moss. And, yeah. and, you know, we just talked about uh, in the NFL draft and where kids are coming from and who's being drafted. You know, they're, they can't be all things to, to everyone. So they've got to make some decisions. They've got to target some of these guys. And I mean, now that we're in the middle of it, I think that the, uh, the, the better question would just be, you know, now that things have changed and evolved, you know, are, are you evolving with them? And, and uh, you know, if you had unlimited finance or the decisions on personnel, you know, to me, that would be one that I would make. Yeah. I think the example to look at here to see what I think your football team, what I would do more of, look at what Tech Basketball did this year. And, and man, I know you're not there as much, but Chris Beard has an army of assistants on and off the court that either sit behind the bench uh, are in his are in the offices or whatever. I mean, he's got obviously his three full assistants. Then they had it was like four or five GAs that all have different roles, and that's a ton at, at the college level. And then they had uh, Sean Sutton, who's quote unquote, you know, like an off the off the court role, where I think he's given Coach Beard a lot of feedback, and and he's he's just another coach for him to bounce ideas off of. A coach that has coached in the Big Twelve and was a successful Big Twelve head coach. Um, yeah, so, so so to me, look at basketball and the way that they be, have become so detail oriented in every single thing they do, and I think that 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 that's that's the path to success in all these sports now is break up big tasks into smaller ones and give everybody a smaller piece of the pie, and just tell them to hammer away at that individual small piece of their pie and be the best they possibly can at it. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, there's so there's so much that's that's going on. Um, and, and so much that you, you could do to make changes. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, you're living there in Lubbock. So I'm going to say you should know yeah. more than, than me, but yeah, I would just, I, I would be interested to see, I don't know, just more recruitment, more, uh, social media, more, more new, yes. more innovation. Yes. Um, you know, innovation, you look at, like that. right. And, and I don't think it's, um, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll get off the high horse in just a second. But, uh, when, when Cliff first came here, the, uh, the whatever like all these stupid challenges or whatever i mean they they had him out there dancing in a shirt and 
ice bucket challenges and whatever. I mean, you saw all sorts of stuff that they did, the dance challenges. I mean, maybe he's quote unquote learned or uh, grown from that, but I mean, you don't see anything like that anymore. So, I mean, I think some of that stuff, somebody, you know, responsible, whoever's doing that, uh, TTU video stuff is that's awesome. All the pictures are great. You know, just employ more people, do more of it. You know, they, uh, they own all their own production. They own all their own media. Um, I think they should just really hammer it home. You know, they're making a ton of money. I think they can do it. And in recruiting, I think that your impact in social media is felt more than it ever has. I mean, that's how you market your program now is through social media. And I think the more of it you do, the better. The less of it you're doing, the less that people are going to notice what you've got going on, plain and simple. So um, that's, that's, that's just what I would say. I think the last one that I had written down was... This is our last one, yeah. Okay, yeah, because we talked about that one for a while. Uh, <laughs> uh, from R. R. Stiglemeyer. Yeah, nailed it. What position group do you think will be the biggest surprise during the football season? And go. Um, I would tell you for me, probably this secondary, I would say where maybe that's not a surprise, but I think that last year you still finished in the 120s in pass defense. Um, part of that is because you're just, you've are just you designed your defense where you are going to give up some yards underneath and you're going to get some cushion and you're going to play a lot of zone. So part of that is it's just part of it, and you're doing that in trade to kind of get more turnovers because you're in zone defense. So there's some trade-off there, and, and that's just going to be part of it. But I do think that you'll see them man up more. I think you'll see there be more trust in your corners. And I think that has to do with Octavius Morgan getting a year older. I think that has to do with DeMarcus Fields getting a year older. I think that has to do with Adrian Fry. And we talk about Justice Parker, and we talk about Deshaun Johnson and Vontae Dorsey, and I think some of these guys behind them that have really developed. So I I would tell you that. I I think the group that will make the biggest jump from last year will probably be that, that secondary, Matt. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, especially knowing how many JUCO guys you have in the mix, uh, knowing knowing the the depth and the the experience you have, uh, I would say so. I mean, I guess the I, I read it as like a surprise. So in terms of what I wanted to say was I was going to go on the offensive side of the ball because you okay. could use the same idea for this offensive line. Um, you know, I would say the theme is that they're not kids anymore. You know, everything was about how you had a true freshman in Anderson that was you know, lauded as a, a highly rated guy, yeah. a bunch of sophomores, guys that really hadn't started full time. You were losing that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I would say now that these guys have a full season of big 12 football under their belt um, and an off season to get bigger and, and better and, and, you know, work together as a unit. Plus you'll, you'll have some other new guys coming in, some transfers, all these other good things. I mean, there's competition. So I think for the most part, you like to have that returning uh, as term in terms of your tackles and your guards and, and your center um, but at the same time, you know, I think that could be a really big strength when you consider how, you know, recruit comes onto campus, red shirts, plays a season, you know, they can really grow into a beast on the O line. So I'm excited to see what these guys can do. I do too. And, uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess the thought for me too, is that everyone's freaking out about receiver. I'm, I'm just never going to freak out about receiver at Texas tech for as long as you've got this staff and, and these coaches in place and the system in place. Uh, because any time that we ever have ever freaked out about receiver and everybody's like, what the hell are you going to do? What's going to happen? So the sky is falling. Guys just fall in place and they, they find a role, and that's how it's been here for 18 years. 
So until that changes, I, I, I'm going to tell you that you're going to be good at receiver. So I would guess, I would say probably some people will probably be surprised by what you do at receiver. Maybe a guy like Antoine Wesley and what he is this year. But, uh, I mean, you'd agree with that, right, Matt? That, I mean, we, we kind of have all this gnashing of teeth about what's going to happen there. But it's just because it's unproven. I don't think it's because you lack talent at receiver. Uh, yeah, I think it's half and half, right? I mean, I think the the – the the feeling is warranted, but at the same time, you know, there's there's going to be a few guys that step in and, and take care of business. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think it's uh, it might have even been your opinion or, or somebody's take on, even on Jet Duffy, right? I mean, these scrimmages and all that are nice, but you know, his his talent really kind of shines in the in the moment, you know, in the pressure. Yep, I I, I would agree with you. I agree with you on that. But uh, I guess that's really it. That's all we had time for today, Matt. Anything else before we uh, close this bad boy out? No, my dogs are going to start barking. I guess somebody's home, so I'll see you later, guys. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate you for listening to this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will. He's Matt. Hope you have a great week. See ya.